trying to figure out who these kids are, what their goals are, what interests them. We all love the game. I mean, this, this is why we're here. We're having these conversations. But there's also other interests. If you're just so focused on the baseball side of things that you don't want them to lose interest in that and you want them to stay engaged, so you have to find ways to, to keep it fresh and, and obviously you know, figure out who they are and, and how we can do that and then bring all those different personalities into one, which obviously creates the culture of the club. He said, when you think you're in, you're out. And when you think you're out, you're in. Like that just completely changed my thought process on a lot of things. And it hit home really well that when you think you've got it figured out or you think you're the guy, that's when you start to kind of pull back on your intensity and how hard you work on things and that drive you have. But when you when you always have that kind of, I guess, that underdog mentality or chip on your shoulder or you, you don't feel like you know enough or you need to learn more. Uh, and I think that's something that, you can take into into coaching is that like you, you just you never know enough you never you don't have it all figured out you're dialed in to the abca's calls from the clubhouse podcast connecting our coaches with some of the best baseball minds in our game now here's your host jeremy sheetinger Casting from the ABCA National Office here in Greensboro, North Carolina. Welcome back or welcome to our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. This is your baseball coaching source for certified audio gold and the place you come to connect with the very best baseball minds in our game. Back in your earbuds and car speakers with episode 105. A great conversation, a pull back the curtain conversation, if you will, on some of the new dynamics in place inside of college baseball programs and the opportunity for all of us to challenge ourselves against where we were yesterday and improve ourselves today. Thanks for dialing into the show. Subscribe, review, and share your phone, your computer, your tablet. Make sure you hit subscribe on those devices. You can also find us wherever podcasts are free. Leave us a review on there. Love to see five-star ratings and positive reviews come out. And share this show. Keep spreading the word and reaching more baseball folks with this podcast. Connect with us on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at ABCA1945. You can also head over to our website, abca.org, if you're looking for more information about what our baseball coaching fraternity here is all about. Also, please feel free to reach out to me directly, at CoachSheets3 on Twitter, or by email, Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at abca.org. Some of the best moves we make here in the national office are when we actually leave the office. We get out and mix it up with coaches out on the road. The Barnstormers Tour has given us that unique opportunity to come into your backyard and spend time with coaches around the country. And in meeting so many of our loyal podcast listeners and hearing how they're working these shows into their lives, helping new coaches find that purple podcast button on their phones or helping download a player on their Android. I'm actually still shocked people have those things. I mean, have you guys ever heard of an iPhone? It's it's awesome. Jeez, guys. Um, but it's great. And getting to hear firsthand how our guests, and these are other coaches that they normally probably wouldn't get that kind of access to, they're sharing insight and details that are challenging these guys, challenging all of us as coaches and as men. That is iron sharpens iron defined. And we're going to keep pumping these out as long as you guys keep listening. Proud to send a shout out to our great friends over at AstroTurf, the leaders in the clubhouse 
for the turf industry. And we hope that you've already followed these guys on social media. If you're on Twitter, find them at AstroTurf USA and check out images from all the facilities they've brought into the no grow, no mow, no H2O solution. We were just at one out on our Barnstormers Clinics tour at Tulane University. I got to walk that turf. I slept on that turf. I took ground balls on it, and it was awesome. So head over to their website, astroturf.com. That's astroturf.com, and find out why AstroTurf has been ahead of the curve for over 50 years. Now let's get into this week's episode as we dive into the director of player development positions that we're seeing popping up inside of college baseball staffs around the country, and let's find out what these folks are up to. How does this work within the coaching staff? and the details behind the development plans in place for these players. So we reached out to and connected with a pair of Tigers in Micah Gibbs from LSU and also Russ Steinhorn from Clemson to find out more insight into the day-to-day activities for these guys. We get to talk the various technologies that each program is utilizing, the analytics and the data that each are tracking that all filter us towards how are we better training and equipping our players for success in the game. With Micah's experience playing in the intense spotlight at LSU and then also spending six seasons in minor league baseball before coming home and serving in a variety of roles there at LSU. And then Russ coaching four years on the college level before five years as a manager inside the Houston Astros organization before he came to Clemson. These guys are bringing a wealth of perspective and experience that offer our listeners a unique glimpse into this position, and we tune them up for a great conversation. So grab your pen and paper, pull up a bucket with us, and let's all welcome in Micah Gibbs from LSU and Russ Steinhorn from Clemson, both being directors of player development and both joining our show as guests on this week's Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. Get ready, coaches. This great show is coming at you right now. Coaches, thanks for dialing into our calls from the Clubhouse podcast. We are going back into the player development realm in roles that are really unique and they're new to college baseball over the last few years. The director of player development inside some of the more elite and upper level Division I baseball programs that I think will have trickled down through other levels as well. And to do that, you got to connect with the two guys that really know what they're talking about and can really pull back the curtain on what's going on in these programs we got a couple Tigers on the call today. As a former Wildcat, we got a couple Tigers on the call. First, I want to welcome in Micah Gibbs from LSU. Micah, thanks for jumping on the call with us. Yeah, thanks, Cheats. Thanks for having me. We're excited to have you. we also got Russ Steinhorn from Clemson University. Russ, thanks for jumping on with us. Appreciate it, Cheats. Great honor to be a part of the podcast. We're excited to have both you guys. And again, we got a little history with, with, with each other. Micah's the, the young cat on the call. Got a chance to coach against him when he was at LSU and I was at Kentucky. And Russ, you and I have worked countless top 96 events in the past. So we all have a little history here. And I, what I love about this conversation is, is really, again, like we talked about, pulling back the curtain on this position because it is unique and it is new. And you guys do play an important role inside of your coaching staffs. And we're going to get into those details here in a second, but where we start our shows, we talk about the ABCA. It's our podcast. It's our opportunity to do that with loyal members and, and loyal listeners. And so, uh, Mike, I want you to kick this one off because I know this is coming up on one of your first conventions. So you get an opportunity to really experience this, but you also work for an ABCA Hall of Famer. So in terms of the, <laughs> the association and, and its influence on you, what have you seen and how excited are you for Dallas? I'm, I'm very excited. I was uh, I was planning on going last year. Uh, actually, had an injury right beforehand. I had to have surgery, so I wasn't able to go. 
Uh, but I'm very excited about going this year. And, and Coach Maneri talks about ABC all the time and what it means to him and the, the connections he's made through, uh, through the event. Mm-hmm. And just the way he talks about the convention, it just sounds like so much fun. Uh, it's just, it's just a, a big baseball party, it sounds like. And I'm, I'm very, very excited to go. That's awesome. And Russ, what about you, man? The ABCA over the course of your career, how's it changed you? And obviously talk about Dallas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dallas was actually the first event that I attended um, back in the day when I first got into coaching. So it's pretty cool to be able to go back and revisit that. Um, The connections that you make throughout throughout the event and the years and then obviously the knowledge that you gain has has got a long way, especially in the the roles that we're in now through uh, all the different vendors that you get to meet and some of the things that you get to apply. And then obviously just sitting down and brainstorming with other coaches and guys who have been in the game a long time, getting to hear their advice and and, uh, what makes them tick and some of the ideas that they've used and putting that all together with the new age stuff, it goes a long way. And then obviously all the knowledge that you gain by going to hear the speakers and now the – barnstormer stuff uh sure. you know on the backstage with the the q and a's and things like that i think growth within the abca is just endless and if you take advantage of it you can walk away prepared more than you ever ever been each year sure we'll have to reconnect with mike and get him back on the call and see how his first uh, convention went when he gets home um uh, Micah, do this. Go go through your career in baseball. And again, we talked about earlier, just playing in the spotlight there at LSU, going away and playing pro ball for a little bit. And you've served in a variety of roles since being back at LSU before moving into this one. So just talk through your career in baseball and maybe some of the key lessons that you learned along the way that, that have really shaped you to who you are today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, I was actually born in Dallas, so it'll be like going back yeah. going back home, uh, go. raised in Austin and uh, graduated from Pflugerville High School right outside of Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, came to LSU in uh, fall of 2007, uh, played here for three years under Coach Maneri, uh, was part of his first recruiting class. Uh, so it was, it, we were kind of here for the kind of the, how he set the, the ground rules, uh, how everything was kind of set with mm-hmm. how he wanted to run a program. So we got to see it from the very beginning and, and, uh, and it was, it was a great experience. Uh, I mean, it, honestly, the best fans in college baseball, probably a little biased, obviously, but, <laughs> um, I, I, Crazy stat actually heard that I think this past year uh, we averaged more fans at our home games than the Miami Marlins did per game. So wow, uh, yeah, and it's 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 crazy here. Uh, you can go from uh, just small kid from Texas uh, being out in the middle of nowhere to coming here, and then you feel like you're a rock star. And and that's the thing that uh, that we deal with with our players too. And that that's part of that that development process is uh, getting them used to. Uh, being in front of so many people and I think that's the thing you see with guys like Bregman and Nola and those guys is just how they handle themselves uh, in those situations and uh, I think that's that's kind of the, the thing that Coach Maneri has done such a, a great job of developing the guys not only as players but as as people and how they handle those situations uh, but at, going back to, to my career I, after I played at LSU I was drafted by the Chicago Cubs I was able to play for them for three years in the minor leagues. I uh, had some some great connections through there. I, I know you had Tim Cousins on sure. or, uh, a while back. He was a uh, catching coordinator my last year with them. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I got a good relationship with him. Uh, he was a fantastic catching guy, field coordinator, just a great guy in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, went from the Cubs to the Royals and uh, was there with them for three years as well. Uh, bunch another great group another great organization it's like a big family over there 
and, that, and that's kind of where I got into a little bit more of the analytical side and starting to get kind of interested in that stuff towards the end of my career when I was getting more excited for the game prep than I was the game itself and wow. started to realize maybe maybe I'm in that phase where I need to get into coaching just because I felt like I'd take my taken my talent enough to where like this is about as, as far as I was going to make it um, and and was always just trying to be an overachiever when it came to my, my abilities as a player. Uh, but Vance Wilson was my manager there. He's now on the big league staff with the Royals, and he was the guy that kind of introduced me and uh, to a lot of the stuff with the track man, uh, a lot of the analytical stuff that they were starting to get into at the Royals, him and Jim Brower. He was a pitching coach there. He's uh, also in big league staff uh, with the Mariners. And, uh, and it's just getting to – those guys kind of propelled me forward into wanting to learn a little bit more about it. And then uh, talking to coach Maneri every off season, I told him like I was interested in, I wanted to do something in baseball. And it started off where I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay in the pro ball side or do college side uh, front office or on field, that type of thing. And I just, I felt like I could, could benefit with either, either direction. And, sure. and coach Maneri uh, talked, called me one off uh, one day in the off season and brought me in and uh, told me that, one of uh, one of our coaches, Will Davis, uh, who's now the head coach at Lamar, was going to be leaving, and wanted to know if I wanted to take over the baseball operations role. And uh, after a few talks with him, family, all that, I decided that it was time to shut it down as a player and uh, join the staff. And I thought it'd be a good kind of introductory role where I could go either way still and kind of feel it out, get to know some people, and see which direction was best. And um, and it actually happened that later that that year it was less than a year that I was in that baseball operations role. Uh, that Andy Canazero left to go take the head head job at Mississippi State, mm-hmm. and it was during the fall, late in the fall, almost winter time. So it was kind of a kind of an awkward time to uh, have a staff change. And Coach Maneri and and a bunch of our current players were were really adamant about having uh, just try to have as little turnover as possible. And and our players were really accustomed to to me. I was always around the cage with them with Andy, and um, and and they wanted me to kind of. St- into that role and and coach Maneri is a hitting guy so he was able he's he's kind of our head he's our head baseball coach but he's our head hitting coach sure uh and and he's a guy i mean like and i told him too i'm i'm learning every every single day and uh and being able to have him to lean on throughout that made it so much easier and uh was able to go through that year uh we, we had a great year went uh went to omaha uh lost to florida in the national championship series that was a that was a tough way to finish it uh, but later that year was actually when the injury happened. So it ended up having uh, the same thing kind of happen where there's a little bit of turnover. I wasn't able to do it on field. And that's what opened up the player development position. Uh, so that's kind of a little bit of how I got to where I'm at. Yeah, no. And, and I guess you're, you're really pulling, um, as you mentioned, uh, in terms of this conversation with Cousins and Brower and, and, and especially exactly what was going on there with the Royals, that has certainly prepared you for this role, right? I mean, it's, it's made you look at things differently over the last few years. That's really helped you. My um, guess would be Micah hit the ground running inside the spot. Correct. Yeah, and and that was the thing that uh, Vance and 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 Jim did so well was that when I like days I wasn't playing, I would always stand next to them and just see how they were kind of managing the game, what they were looking at, and we would and I would always go in their office and just talk to them about all that stuff and what they were seeing from uh, an analytical side, but also from a managing side, and mm. and that's where I really kind of kind of ran with it there was I just love the, the the strategy behind it and uh and I think that's what kind of helped with this player development roles now you can 
kind of the, the player development role, like you said, it's very new, especially in college baseball. And I think that just allows it to have, it's a kind of like a blank canvas. You can kind of do what we want with it. Sure. And because of that, uh, we can kind of really research the nutrition, the strength and conditioning, the on field, off field, everything, and literally just try to get as much information and data and everything as possible. And I think that's where Vance and Jim were so instrumental is they were always looking for stuff. And I, I, I felt like there were only a few teams that were really digging into stuff at that time. And, and they were always just in the office, like trying to find out more information, trying to figure out what different things meant, what they could get from different things. And it just kind of built that curiosity in me. That's awesome. Oh, thanks for opening that up. And Russ, same question, man. We're talking about your career in baseball and, yeah. and spending some time coaching collegiately, moving up through the Astros organization and now back into college baseball. O- open that up for us and take us through each stop in, in terms of maybe what you learned. What was your takeaway? Yeah, I had a uh, very different background. Um, grew up in Orlando. Um, out of high school, I didn't have any offers, so I took a year off and uh, just started training and try to find out some opportunities. I was a little selective, thought I was uh, – better than I really was when, when I was playing in high school. Sure. But, uh, you know, after the year was over, after taking the year off, I got an opportunity to uh, go play Division Two baseball up in New York. The coach, two weeks before we were leaving, got uh, the job at Southeastern University in Lakeland, mm-hmm. which is an NAI program. And uh, it was only about an hour away from the house, so I took that opportunity. Um, I always had aspirations to playing at the next level outside of college knew that probably wasn't going to happen. So right around uh, the start of my senior year, started blasting emails out to different coaches and trying to find ways to get into coaching, mm-hmm. uh, whether it was the GA spot or a volunteer spot or something that I could do when I graduated uh, college. After college was over and senior season, I actually took a, a non-paid position um, in the New York Collegiate Baseball League okay. in Wellsville, New York, a small town of one stoplight. And um, <laughs> so I worked there and, you know, worked at a, uh, a funeral home part time to, to make a little bit of money while I was up there and had a host wow. family. And so that's where it all started for me after that. I didn't have any, tried to get some more offers after the summer ball was over. The head coach for that team was the only paid assistant at Delaware State University, and he called me midway through the fall when they were about to begin fall practice and say, hey, our GA spot open, would you be interested? I said, yeah, I want to coach, I want to get into it, want want the opportunity, so I took it, went up there, got my master's for two years, and um, was able to to work in, in Dover. Um, that's where we started Top 96, and yeah. that's where inter- introduced uh, – some great coaches along the way and, sure. and met guys like yourself and other head coaches who, who helped me and gained some knowledge from and started going to my ABCA conventions. Then after mm-hmm. two years at Delaware state, when I got my master's, I took a volunteer job at UNCG mm-hmm. under coach Mike Gasky, um, who's president of USA baseball and still there now, which was an unbelievable experience in terms of his preparation and his knowledge of the game really got to learn a lot from him. And then, you know, that was a short stint for only one season. And the head coach at Delaware state, um, called me up in the summer and said, our assistant position was open. Um, do you want to take it? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I get to be a full-time assistant. 
you know, get to go on the road, um, do different things like that. So it was a great opportunity. That year was a big year for us in 2012 um, offensively. You know, we led the country in a couple offensive categories, mm-hmm. broke a national record. So we really had a really good year. And then the fall, 2012 going into 2013, was the first season that Jeff Luno took over with the Astros. And I got a random phone call one day on my office phone, and it was from a guy named Sig Mydell. And Sig had just come over from the Cardinals. He had the unique title of Director of Decision Sciences for the Houston Astros. Wow. He called me up, and he left the message, Hey, I'm Sig. Um, you know, I'm Director of Decision Sciences with the Houston Astros. Uh, we saw some of the success you guys had this year. Um, you know, we really didn't know much about your program. We want to just see, you know, pick your brain and, and some ideas of what you guys might be doing. And, um, you know, I was like, come on, man, yeah. there's no way this is for real. I'm getting pumped. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, come on now. This ain't for real. Like reached out to me. I never played. Like, I don't know. I would never even know how to get a professional job at, sure. at that point. And so I, I did what anybody else would do would. So I Googled his name, and I'm like, this is a real dude, but I still think someone's playing a prank on me. But <laughs> So I called him back, and we got into talking and just talked about some ideas and some of the things we were teaching from an offensive standpoint. And he said, hey, we might have a hitting coach position open um, within the organization. We're trying to change the culture here. Um, I don't know if it's going to, to happen for you, but would you be interested? I said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's a no-brainer. And he said, okay, I'm going to line up some people you can talk to, interview with them. And, you know, I was actually getting on the plane. I'll never forget this. When uh, their director of player development at the time was Quentin McCracken, getting on the plane of Philadelphia, going to the ABCA in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And he said, hey, uh, he called me up, Russ. We'd like to offer you a position with the organization. Um, Obviously, I accepted it on the spot. So when I was in Philly leaving for the ABC." ABCA. I uh, was working for Delaware State University. When I landed in Chicago, I was working for the Houston Astros 30 minutes later. So <laughs> it was pretty cool to, to experience that. Awesome. And um, so I spent five years with them, three years as a hitting coach mm-hmm. in the New York Penn League, working with all the newly drafted guys. And um, after my third year there, they said, hey, you know, we're thinking about um, making you a managerial candidate within, within our organization. And I've always wanted to be a head coach mm-hmm. at the college level. And when I was in professional baseball, that was still all my aspirations to, to be a head coach and run my own team and become a manager. And I said, yeah, I'd love to be interested. And uh, they said, okay, great. I said, okay, where about? They said, Dominican Republic. Yeah. I said, what? <laughs> and uh, I, was real, I was really thrown off by it at first. And eventually they're like just go through the process talk to some people down there get as much information as you can and you know make a decision but if you really want to manage then that'd be a great place for you to go and you can you know um, educate those kids and get them prepared to come over to the states educate yourself and i was like okay it was a perfect time in my life so i did it went down the dominican republic Lived at the academy room number three with three roommates and bunk beds ate three meals a day there, had no transportation. So I was like one of the 
one of the boys, but as a manager. And so I lived the life and of uh, being in the Dominican Summer League for an entire year and uh, got to go home, I think, once or twice for a short burst. But wow. most of my time that year was, was spent in the Dominican Republic and very fascinating. And that's a, that's a whole nother conversation for another day on the operations and the inner workings of down there. But sure. after that, after that season, they said we want to promote you to Quad Cities, which is the Midwest League. Spent a year there. Um, had a great experience. It was in 2000 and, uh, the 2017 season. After that season was over, I was in Instructional League, and um, this position came open with Clemson and had a couple conversations with, uh, with Monty, and uh, I knew uh, a couple other guys on the staff, and they, they really wanted to invest in, in player development. Just like Micah said, it was an open canvas blank because nobody really knew how and, and how to shape the position. And sure. I said, with, with all the information that we learned with the Astros and being able to be, be one of the first guys to be a part of changing that culture, I said, well, let's try to do this on the college level at, the, at one of the Power Fives in the <clears throat> biggest stages. And mm-hmm. so jumped on board with that opportunity and I'm just starting uh, my second fall here will be this year. Gosh. Okay. Now go back to this because I realized, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about the Astros. We're talking about MLB organizations. We're going to keep our cards close to our vest. I get that and respect that 100%. So we're not, we love the juicy details, but that's for an off air conversation. Yeah. Um, but like working in the, with the Astros organization and how progressive and aggressive they've been in this side of the game and, and looking at things differently. And certainly what AJ's been able to do with the top end of the organization and work its way down. How has that really changed you as a coach, changed you as a baseball dude? It's been unbelievable. It's made me see the the game differently than I've ever seen it before. And Mm. with the amount of information that's out there and the amount of progression that you can make, as long as you you know how to apply the information and, and you know what information is valuable, then the opportunities are endless. I mean, at, mm-hmm. at any level, if, uh, you know, obviously at the professional level, you gain more of it because they have full departments that that's their responsibility. Yeah. But being able to see it applied, see it progress throughout the entire organization and into the big league level now and the success that they're having and seeing those guys who've come through and seeing how they've developed along the way, it's just, it's a no-brainer for me to gather as much information as you can, sort through it, and then see where it applies. Just like Micah said, it broadens your curiosity. And when you're curious, you don't get bored. And when you don't get bored and, and you have the um, tools to, to test all the information, then development is it, it speeds up from all departments, whether you're just looking at little things from um, – you know, on the field, off the field, you know, just time management things. A bunch goes into development, but the way they did it and the way they applied it, it, it doesn't take, um, it takes some time just like any other process. But once it gets rolling and once you gather all the information and put it, put it to work, I mean, and you have the, the, the trust of the players, big thing, you know, the sure. information doesn't work without the players and the players don't work without the information. So, you know, once you, once you get a buy-in from both sides of it, then, then you just run with it and, and you start seeing the game differently and you start seeing guys develop and, and, and it's, 
it's very, very, um, very, very unique to see because, you know, now you're bridging the old school and new school yes. approaches to thing. And, you know, you still have to have a little bit of both. And the Astros still do a great job of that. I mean, you know, the pitching coach at the big league levels, Brent Strom, who pitched a long time, is he's, uh, you know, a lifer in the game, but sure. he's also one of the smartest guys with uh, progressive information and technology. So being able to blend both is just a huge advantage for anybody who has those opportunities. All right. I'm going to drop this quote because I feel like this is just absolutely dead on. Uh, and it's probably a tweetable moment. I'll tag you guys in. Um, <laughs> you know, and I heard this and it really stuck with me. And whatever show you're watching, as baseball guys, we always revert it back to baseball and what we do and how it works and, and what we do day to day. And I heard this quote that one of the most painful things of our time is that those who feel certainty are actually stupid. And those with any imagination and understanding are filled with doubt and indecision. Yes. And when you, and you, when you really break that down, how to remain creative is to actually embrace doubt and, and to really let your imagination go, where could this be? As opposed to, I'm certain that it has to be this. And we teach hitting this way. I think if you're always, and we talk about that on the podcast, staying in that state of constantly challenging yourself. Certainly you got to have some belief systems that you lean on, but if they start finding themselves rooted in cement, that's when we've got issues and we need to stay in that constant state of doubt. Does that make sense? Yeah, no doubt. And there's no question about it. I try to revert it back to all the time. Just like you said, there's no, you have your beliefs and you have your systems and the way you're doing things, but you have to always evolve. And just like the game is evolving. That's it. I mean, you know, years ago when the game started, we were riding horses to the game. Now we're driving cars and flying to places here and there. So it's just like the game. So <laughs> whenever you're doing, you just do it and be curious and don't, don't be afraid to fail and try new things, but be afraid to that someone's going to get an advantage by learning more than, than what you know. So yeah. continue to learn and continue to be curious and, and then apply those informations. And that, that really goes a long way with development. Micah, how, how's that hit you? Oh, I mean, spot on. Uh, what, what Russ said about the application, especially, I think that's where kind of the curiosity and all that stuff kind of ties in together is, uh, there's so many, there's so many numbers out there. There's so many different data points, different categories people are looking at. And, mm -hmm. and it, it's like anything, if you, if you want to try to make a point with something, you can, so you have to cross reference everything, make sure, uh, you have to kind of go into it. Like, like Russ said, with mm -hmm. like kind of almost trying to prove yourself wrong and That's you, you want to try to try to prove yourself wrong to make sure that what you are trying to find is actually correct. That's and I mean, I think, I think that's the biggest thing. And, uh, I actually recently just got married and I think it's a good thing that my, my beautiful wife is a, uh, is a, uh, owns her own business and is, and is very busy because that curiosity, it keeps me here for, for hours on end. And, and I think that's what you kind of have to have when you're in this type of position is, is that like that, that, that yearning to always try to find what's, uh, what's going to keep you in the cutting edge, but, uh, but also never thinking that you know everything. Mm. I love it. Well, from the guy that's married with two kids to the guy that just got married and just had a kid, uh, you don't know anything and stay in that state, always stay in that state and you'll be fine. Um, yeah. I want to open up this position. We talked about again, how new and unique it is. And, uh, and Russ, I want you to start this one off. 
you know, looking at the maybe the 30,000 foot overview of the position, what's it look like uh, specifically? How does it boil down into the nuts and bolts? And maybe what are the goals of this job? What, when a head coach creates this position, what may be the goals that, that they are really expecting from this position? Well, I think the first and foremost is just when you when you add a position like this, it's it's an opportunity to bring someone in that's going to help everybody from the coaches to the players mm-hmm. and you know, gathering new information and being able to apply it and being able to educate them along the way. Um, you know, it, it depends obviously on the background and you don't have to have a professional background or knowledge to do that. You just have to, you know, like we've been talking about, be curious and, and have ways to, you know, show that the information that you've, you've gathered has, has worked into, into development and, uh, being able to share that, uh, basically very knowledgeably and very easy to people because you can have all this information, but if you can't simple it down, then you really don't know it good enough. Mm. And, um, you know, that's, uh, that's basically how you should, you know, approach the information and how you can apply it to the entire, uh, program. And I think the coaches are, all coaches want to learn, especially successful coaches and they want to gain that edge. So, when I first took this position, I was sitting at my desk and, okay, I was talking to, to Coach Lee and the other coaches and, you know, they were very open about, you know, share, sharing information with each other and what we've all learned along the way. And then obviously formula, forming a plan, a uh, daily plan every day, you know, gathering all the, the all the stuff and that we know and, and resources that we have and apply it to whether it's individual plans with the players, program goals. Um, long-term goals, practice plans, um, when we do skill work, and then obviously how we're going to um, apply that onto the field and in-game stuff, and then taking all the information that we learn from we play and then reapplying that into practice to developing the guys. Mm-hmm. And then obviously having someone in there that will be able to go to the different departments and and have a sense of sense of awareness to, hey, everything matters and that we're all in this together, whether it's strength and conditioning, whether it's nutrition, whether it's sports medicine and gather and continue to learn from them. And then how can we learn from them because they're in their roles within the program and within the organizations and then apply it to our players and how can we maximize each and every guy in the program every single day and just coming up with, you know, being ways of being creative and, and new ideas and there's a lot of brainstorming sessions and just putting that all together. And, um, you know, just like everybody else is short term, long term, uh, goals and plans for the, for the program and, and each individual player. Oh, that's great. Mike, anything to add to that? Again, where we're looking at that overview of what, you know, again, what this position may look like and, and the goals within it, what else would you add to that? Yeah. I mean, Russ hit the, hit the nail on the head that the, the biggest thing is you're helping all the coaches. And I think the word that kind of describes this position the most would be like, would be liaison is your, you're a liaison to academics, to strength and conditioning, to our nutritional staff, to the coaches, to the players, to the community, everything. And I think that's where this position can kind of bring everybody together and make sure that we're like Russ was saying, building a plan for each guy individually, whether it's in the weight room, if it's in the cages, if it's on and their bullpens, whatever that thing is, it's just key, it's just kind of tightly 
uh, putting everything together and making sure that everybody has the same goal uh, at the end. I think he, he hit the nail on the head with that. Um, and I think it's it's that, like we said, the, the, the open canvas of what all can we bring to our staff? What all can we like, uh, just try to fail as much as possible? Like, let's try to do as many things as we can. Let's bring as much information to each of the individual coaches and t- until – maybe we find something because you never know what you're going to find unless you just keep searching and searching for it. Mm, it's so good. Um, Micah, take us into this. Cause I think the day to day for this position, that's certainly something I'm intrigued with. And I think our listeners would be as well. Really. What's it look like day to day? I know there's you know, never really a set schedule per se, but I also think it falls into seasonal day to day activities where the fall and the winter may look uh, quite like this, where the spring in season, and especially when we're really concerned with player development, that that may shift a little bit. Can you uh, open that up? That that just what that might look like? A, just a glimpse of what's on your plate each day. Yeah. So, uh, like you said, it's a little different from fall to spring. Um, in the fall, it's going to be a lot of uh, developmental stuff. Uh, it's going to be a lot more uh, geared to getting the guys back in the groove of academics and. Uh, their day-to-day with strength and conditioning and kind of time management. Uh, but when we get there, we'll always get together, kind of meet a little bit uh, at the beginning of the day. Uh, coach needs anything, we'll, we'll get with him. And we just try to, uh, we use that, the, the mornings as kind of a, what's the plan for the day? What, what all do we need to do? Is there anything that's happened over the past couple of days? Planning, uh, getting together and planning practice. Uh, but, but the position, I think, is 50% of kind of almost like a baseball operations assistant role in a way where you're helping out with any uh, facility tours, anything with recruiting, uh, helping out with, uh, like I said, the, the academic uh, stuff with, their, with the guy's schedules. Um, and then the other 50% of it is helping out with on-field stuff, keeping, the st- keeping statistics, mm-hmm. uh, helping out our, our hitting coach with uh, anything he needs from any of the stuff that we kind of compile uh, from day to day. And just, and I think that that whole thing, it's just, it's just constant research, uh, just finding out if anybody needs any, uh, wants to look into anything, if there's any ideas anybody has, any of that stuff. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and then obviously, Russ, when you're looking at, at what your day-to-day looks like, probably pretty similar anything you would add to that yeah very similar um you know we meet as a staff and we go over practice every day it's uh for the fall very player de- player development uh driven um try to do okay so what can we do as a team that's going to develop our team concepts for the day how can we practice at game speed what are some what are some different ideas that we can do what can we change what can we you know, get better at each day. Did we like this drill? Did we like that drill? Can we measure that drill? Can we measure this drill? Do we know if it even works? Um, things like that. Those are the conversations that we have, you know, daily when it talks when we're talking about practice. And I try to meet with the individual coaches as well. Um, you know, Andrew C. With does he have any needs from the pitching side um, and the use of TrackMan and how can we apply that to our guys and Rap Soto and some of the things that he's looking at, some of the things that. You know, I might be looking at and how can we apply that and get it better? Do we need to find out more information? Same thing with uh, with Monty and, and Bradley and uh, Greg Starbuck is, you know, over the hitting side and the defensive side. Wh- what can we use? Are we are we maximizing what we have now? Are we making the gains that we should from the offensive side, from the defensive side? And how can we make that better and see if they need anything, too? Um, and then going into the daily 
you know, the rest of the day, those are basically the fall and the, and the winter, the winter months preparing for the winter months is obviously getting the guys ready with their winter plans and, you know, the improvements that they need to make with their off season going into the regular season. And then once the regular season starts, it's, you know, we have, it's a lot of scouting, um, you know, through, through video and through synergy and, and the scouting reports we're able to develop through the track man system on, on opposing teams and ourself. We all, we, we always love to self scout mm. because we learn a lot about our team and our players because it's, you, no matter how hard you try, when you try to simulate a game environment, you can get close, but you can't simulate an environment if you're playing LSU in a super regional and there's 15,000 uh, fans in the, in the stands and you have to win two out of three games or you know, you're playing in your own regional and, and you're in elimination. You just can't simulate that. Sure. So you, know, you get to get a good gauge of how your players react under the lights and then you learn from that self-evaluate yourself while you're self-evaluating the opposition and um, putting those all together and then trying to you know tell the, tell our players um, meet with them about you know areas they need to get better at or you know remind them some things that they've been working on and then obviously putting a plan together for for the opponents that are coming in and try to attack it the best we can so yeah. um, and you know and there's a lot of it's it, there's a lot of continuity between the staff staff gets along great we all help out we all pitch in so there's really not um you know brad owens is an unbelievable director of operations going on his 12th year i believe so he's got all that taken care of it's like it's like clockwork for him he just comes and goes and like it, nothing nothing rattles him so he's got that whole side taken care of so it's a lot of just the baseball side for me and, and getting those coaches and helping out anywhere that I can to make the program better and help make the coaches better, you know, help make me better. So um, that's that's a lot of my day-to-day stuff from the fall and into the spring. Sure. Now stay on that, Russ, because I think you brought up an interesting dynamic is within the coaching staff themselves. So I think when you go through the head coach to the hitting coach, the pitching coach, the positional coach, how are those conversations? How do, how do you guys work within each other? How do you make time to sit down face-to-face? You mentioned the staff meetings that you have. I think just play up the dynamics between the staff members. How does that work within your role? Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically an open dialogue every day. Monty okay. will bring us together, and, uh, you know, we have um, we have the coaches from, you know, from, from all the areas in our program, and we meet, we talk about the daily schedule, we talk about um, daily goals, and then from there, we, we, we try to break down each position. So, you know, we try to get information from and opinions, <clears throat> sorry, from all of our coaches. Mm-hmm. You know, Andrew C. is our pitching coach, but he also has a hitting background. He was a two-way guy at Ohio. He's done some hitting stuff in the past and early in his coaching career, so he brings up a lot of great points. Um, with some things that some hitters need to do. I've, I've done both with the hitting and the pitching before, so I bring up um, some points on that side. And then, obviously, from from Monty's background as, as, a, as a hitting coach, and he, he's, he's our voice when it comes to the hitting and the program that we put, put together. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, just like uh, Mike has said with Coach Maneri, you know, it, uh, he, he is our, he's our head coach, he's our skipper, but he's also our hitting coach too. So we're always trying to come together, but he also gives the other guys a lot of freedom to do their jobs, which is great, and to be creative. And, uh, 
but you know, obviously he's, he's, he's the main voice, which it should be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we just, we meet collectively together and, uh, just go over it. I don't think there's, we're talking about on field play and development of the players. There's no, there's no single out, you know, uh, coach Lee is very open and wants to hear ideas every day. He says, bring me new ideas. If you got something, let's, let's uh, look into it. If you got the information to back it up, let's do it. Um, wow. And if we can find the information, if it doesn't work, then, you know, we tried it and we won't do it again. So that's a lot of uh, very, very, very good collaboration amongst the staff and, you know, trying to, you know, everybody is heavily into player development, but just trying to get the most out of our players and, and taking an interest in each individual uh, on the roster. Yeah, that's great. Same question, Mike, and we're talking about within the staff itself. How does that look there in Baton Rouge? How are you working with each individual coach? Yeah, just, just like Russ said, I mean, uh, just kind of the camaraderie we have as a group is is pretty special. I think the biggest thing, too, is you have – kind of that old school, new school intertwining uh, type thing going. I know Coach Maneri and Alan Dunn are pitching coach. Uh, they're both kind of on that. They're getting through the tape on the stretch run of the of the marathon. And uh, But the, the rest of us, Nolan Kane, our recruiting coordinator, myself, Sean Ochenko, our hitting coach, uh, our director of ops, Nate Fury, video coordinator, Jamie Tutko, all of us were we're all 30 or, or younger. So uh, actually, I think Nolan's 32, but we're all we're all pretty new to to coaching and uh and i think that it's a good mixture because at times it's good when coaches like hey i think we're getting a little too analytical with this stuff i think we're maybe like let's let's look into it more from just like let's see it a little bit more use our eyes and 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 vice versa so there's times where you might think oh this guy's trying to do this and then i'll say well hey coach look like this is what this is what it is like this these are the numbers this is what's actually happening and and there's been times where he's been like, oh, wow, like I would have never guessed that. And, and I've said the same thing when when he's talking about game management stuff or when he's putting on different, uh, like if he's going to hit and run in a situation or not. And I'm like, oh, I never would have thought about doing it in that situation. It's just being able to have that experience and someone uh, that's kind of guiding us uh, along along our path uh, from that from that ex- experience standpoint. And, uh, and and that's that's been fantastic. Uh, but from like a day-to-day how we kind of work as a as a staff in the in the spring uh we do kind of this uh the same type of thing where i'm i'm a more of a hitting background uh i caught so i, I know how i know about working with pitchers pitch mm-hmm. calling that type of thing so uh try to help ad with that whenever he needs that from a pitching standpoint uh he'll, he'll call me and be like hey i'm looking at this like how would you attack this hitter he'll do that on occasion ask me uh, that type of stuff but for the most part i'm going to be helping sean with the hitting uh with coach maneri as well so uh alan dunn he'll he'll watch probably more video than anybody in the country when it comes to pitching uh setting up hitters that kind of thing so he kind of he actually builds together his own scouting report since he's obviously calling the pitches and everything uh but what i what i try to do is build a scouting report take it into sean our hitting coach and i basically try to give him too much information. I want him to, like, I want us to sit down and have to take stuff out because of uh, an overabundance of information. And, uh, and so we'll sit down, we'll go over, okay, this is when we're scouting a pitcher. Okay. Like we don't need to know this. This is really good. Let's highlight that uh, situational stuff. And then I'll go into uh, like Russ was saying, scouting ourselves, scouting the other team, 
and during the games almost try to be like a bench coach where when coach is like, hey, do they, do they hit and run in this situation? Yes. Do they steal in this situation? No, not too many. No, these are the counts they go in. And I think it's just trying to almost watch enough video and, and scout the other team enough to know their tendencies, but also to know ours and be like, and tell coach, Hey, I, we do this a lot in this situation. Maybe we shouldn't do it. That type of thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. Wow. Um, and you talked about technologies and both of you did, you referenced some of the things that you're doing and Micah start us off on this one, the technologies that are being utilized inside the LSU baseball program. And, and I guess how had those technologies really enhanced your position? Plus, you know, obviously each and individual player development, how are those technologies really helping you? Uh, they've, they've helped us a ton, and, I, and, uh, and it definitely gives me stuff to do, that's for sure. Uh, we Just yesterday, we met with uh, a group, uh, Body Track, that does foot mapping. Uh, I know it's big in golf. kind of shows you how much force you're putting into the ground, uh, how, how much uh, percentage of your body weight is on one foot or the other during a swing. You can do it with jumps. You can do it with their workouts when they squat. You can do... Uh, I was looking at it into maybe doing it with, with catchers. How are, what's their footwork like? Where's the pressure on their feet? That type of thing. Uh, so there's endless possibilities with that, uh, over at our, at the weight room that we share with football. Uh, they, they have force plates. We've been using that a ton this year, uh, doing counter movement jumps and seeing how much force they produce, but also how are they producing it? Is it, uh, a lot of these guys, especially at a high school, come in with, uh, very front, uh, prone dominant, uh, strengths in their quads, uh, their their chest, all the front stuff, and then the back stuff's getting neglected. The hamstrings, the calves, the back. Everybody wants to do chest. Everybody wants to bench. Everybody wants to curl. Sure. Do that stuff. And and one of the things I heard from uh, we have a strength coach here with football that helped out with baseball when I was here as a player. Always said you want to look better walking away from me than coming towards me. Mm. And uh, and that was a, a pretty cool thing to hear uh, for for athletes. So we're able to get that information. Now we have that actual data of, okay, this guy's really heavy on the concentric movement versus eccentric, and we can figure out, hey, maybe we need to develop this guy's plan more towards uh, some more hamstring-dominant stuff versus quad-dominant, and we can kind of build those guys' uh, workouts that way. But the other thing that we're starting to look at it with is kind of keeping a line graph of what all they're doing so that we can see, okay, this guy's starting to taper off. Maybe we need to kind of pull back on his workload, either in the weight room or on the mound or whatever. This guy's might could be getting kind of close to to an injury or something. So uh, we've been using those force plates a lot for that in the weight room. We've also been using the modus sleeves with our pitchers. I know that's been uh, one of the newer things. Kind of seeing where where throughout their throwing program is the strain coming from is it in uh long toss is it in flat ground where does does their arm angle change on either of those things off the mound all that stuff so we're able to track that day to day with every throw they they make uh just to see if we can kind of figure out where we can maybe pull back on some of the the soreness or injuries or anything like that uh we talked about track man i know that's the the hot one uh now we have track man and hit tracks for the indoor cages uh, Trackman obviously out on the field, and I think Nolan Kane was telling me that we were the first team actually to have Trackman. I think back in twenty fall of twenty fifteen was when we got that, or fall of twenty fourteen before the twenty fifteen season. Um, and so we've collected all the historical data with that from every single pitch that's been on our field. So that's instead of kind of 
using that information you always get from the, the big league side about the launch angles and all that stuff, which is great. And it leads you to start looking into stuff. But now using all that information that we've collected for four or five years, we can kind of look at it. Okay. Well, how does that apply to the college game? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's, that's been huge. Um, but yeah, uh, we, we've been kind of looking into, uh, the rap soda. We might get that pretty soon. Uh, like I said, like, uh, AD is a very old school guy, loves video, loves getting hands on with the guys. Uh, so he's not as much into the technology uh, from the pitching standpoint, but he will do the track man stuff, uh, kind of go over the reports with the guys after they throw. Uh, and we'll kind of, if, if we see something, we'll let him know. So he's been very good about uh, kind of getting acclimated with, with track man and, and turning around on that stuff. Yeah, gosh, that's awesome. Thanks for opening that up. Same thing, Russ. We were talking about the what is Clemson utilizing that's that's really as as Micah just alluded to, the information that's coming in. If it can be measured, let's measure it. Let's not keep guessing. Let's actually have some real data to work with. What are some of the things that the Tigers are using? Yeah, there's no question. And a lot of similarities that Micah was talking about, you know, with the strength and conditioning side of it, our strength coach, uh, Rick Franz Gloss, is very educated and very very progressive on his side of things with using the technology, whether it's force plates or, you know, any, any types of uh, mobility and, and, um, you know, strength training protocols that he uses. And he integrates a lot of, a lot of things on his side to help our guys work on, on being more efficient in their, in their movements, but also, you know, gaining strength at the same time. Um, you know, for, on the baseball side of things, we do, you know, we have the track, man, this was the first year they had it. Um, so, we're, we're able to gather just our data and now we have one season of full data for everybody who's come in. But, you know, at the end of the day, all the technology that we have and everybody that, that uses it, it just tells a story about the player. It says, okay, here's, here's what you're doing. Here's who you are. Okay. Now how can we make this better or how can, how do we have to adjust along the way? Um, whether we use the bat sensors, we use those, we use we have Rapsodo hitting and pitching. We use those, um, so we try to get all that information together, see the story that it's telling a player, and try to give the player that information as simple as possible. You can't just walk up to somebody and hand them just a an Excel sheet or a graph that says, "Okay, <laughs> this is what you're doing," and sure. they're going to look at you and say, "What uh, is this? I just left me. math class today." Okay, <laughs> sure. so. This is, this is what it's telling you. This is where you need to be. You know, you take the strength and conditioning side of things, okay, how your body moves, what your results are on the field, what the technology is telling you, implement the high-speed video, and then put together the story to tell all the guys, hey, this is what you look like on video. This is what your information's saying. This is what your strength is. This is um, your results on the field. Yeah. So we need to get our results on the field better individually, which obviously leads into collectively as a team and as a unit. So we, we try to tell them the story using all that information. Um, and we're always looking for more ways to incorporate um, new ideas that are out there and new technologies. But, you know, one, one thing that we are trying to do at the same time is we're trying to get trying to be the best uh, with the with the technology that we have. Um, Mm. you know, I think a lot of times, you know, there's so much information out there. You have to be able to tell the player 
the story in a way that they can understand it in the way that they can pl- uh, apply it, especially in the college ranks with all the time restraints. You know, a lot of the work that they do, they have to do it on their own yeah. because team practice is so limited with the hours. You add the scrimmages. You add the, the, the new days off, the amount of times that you can practice throughout the fall and in the spring. So you have to be able to give them a plan with all the information and the video so they can take it and take ownership of their career. And that's when the development really starts because then you see the guys coaching themselves using the information. Sure. And they're coaching themselves. They're coaching each other. And, you know, they, they learn from their own experiences and then they start educating themselves and then they start learning and then they start sharing the information and, and then it be- becomes into your culture. And then, yeah. you know, the development process just speeds up and it, and it becomes uh, a, a very unique, uh, a, a unique way to do things. And, uh, and then you get their feedback and, uh, you know, Hey, maybe this is, uh, this isn't working for me. You know, can we, can I see something different? Um, I'm not really understanding it, you know, using the ways that they learn as well to transfer that information to them and, um, you know, finding ways to just be the best at the technologies that we have and then start integrating more things along the way that we think that can be valuable. Oh, that's so awesome. And again, I love the points inside that. And I think both of you agree. It, it, it's when you look at baseball stats over time, it's so easy as a coach sometimes to think, Subjectively, you know, it, it's it, whether you're gauging stats, things like batting average, uh, you know, always think about the high school player and how many across each state that we all live in hit over 400 because Uncle Jimmy's keeping stats in the press box and, you know, those, you know he mowed his grass really well. So that, that stinger at the shortstop's a hit, not an error. And so I think you, you look at numbers like that, that, that are really, but you guys are finding these objective numbers that it's hard to argue this. Like you mentioned, even if you're an old school guy, it's hard to argue what's happening here because these numbers don't lie. And so Russ, when you're thinking about the analytical side of things, and I'm guessing this is you talk about this is HoustonAstros.com right here. This is this is really in the wheelhouse of, of them studying numbers and, and really tracking this. What are the numbers that you're really focusing on? And I guess that that's a broad question because it's across so many fronts, but what are kind of some of the language and data analytics that really come to light uh, inside what you do? Yeah, I think I think it depends on the area that we're looking at for right. that day. Um, you know, from the pitching side of things, we're, we're looking at pitch shaping and what the ball is actually doing. And, um, you know, um, in the way that it's spinning, how high is it spinning, or how much is it spinning, how much is it not spinning, the tilts, um, you know, the, the spin axis, things like that. And then you're able to sequence those with your pitches and then, you know, have an individual plan and an individual uh, way of going about things with each guy. So there's no set. We have set priorities which in our pitching staff, which whether it's first pitch strikes, get ahead, things like that, that mm-hmm. stuff's never going to change. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the pitch plan is taking all the information from the pitching side of things and then apply it to each individual so they can pitch according to their strengths and not just going up there and trying to, you know, make guys swing and miss with just a random pitch calling sequences, but just utilizing what their pitches do best and then obviously making those other pitches better along the way. From the hitting side of things, you know, obviously how your body works, you know, it, 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 um, you know, whether it's the mechanics of your swing, what your bat's doing, being on plane, you know, pitch recognition, things like that, you know, those are all goes into, you know, creating a hitter. So we, we try to, we try to use, we try to simplify, 
simplify things, like I said, because we don't want to, you know, we want to give them all the information that we can, but we want them to be able to apply it immediately. And another thing that the technology does, it, it shows guys what they're doing in space that really your eyes can't see. So like the track man, what's the ball doing when it releases your hand? Okay, what's it doing in that space before either a hitter makes contact or the catcher catches it? Same with your bat. So once the ball or the bat's in space, you really can't do anything with there. So you, it tells you you have to back your story up and reverse it and see what's happening before that bat's coming through or before that ball's com- coming into space to utilize the information and then make the necessary adjustments to the player from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's outstanding. Um, and again, Micah, when you're looking at that, anything to add to that, anything that jumps off to you guys or maybe what's more relative to what you're talking about in the LSU locker room? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first, I just wanted to uh, second what Russ was saying about the simplicity part of it. I mean, I think that when it comes to player development, that's the biggest thing. I mean, these kids, they're they're coming in and we can – I mean, they're just getting information after information, if, like in, our, in, the, in the weight room, here at the field, all that stuff. But it's just trying to simplify that information because we know even when they leave us, when they go home, they're in their dorm, they're at lunch or at dinner or whatever. They're on their phones. They're on Instagram. They're seeing all these swing videos and – they're seeing all this stuff and there's so much information out there. There's so much really good information, but there's also so much, there's very bad information out there. And it's just making sure that we're constantly communicating with them and figuring out what they're seeing, what they're hearing and, tr- and trying to keep that open, uh, that open dialogue because we know they're going off to summer ball and they're hearing from somebody else. And then they're going back home and there's the guy that they hit with in high school. And they just have all these different people that are talking to them all the time. We're not oblivious to that. We want to know what they're being told so we can kind of help filter them and and kind of send them down the path we want them going on. And I just really wanted to hit on that because he, he did a really good yeah. job of talking about that, and I think sure. that's so important. Uh, but back to kind of what what we use from a data standpoint, um, we've gotten really big uh, past few years. Uh, I, as, a, as a catcher, I, I was just – over the top loved receiving and everything about it. I thought it was an art and I just, I, I try to get together as much information as possible and put together how many guys are like, what guys are stealing strikes, what guys aren't keeping the ball that's in the strike zone, a strike, that type of thing, give the guys the numbers behind it, but then also show them the video of why, why these balls are being called balls when they should be, be uh, called strikes and vice versa. Uh, so we're doing a lot with the receiving from track man, uh, a lot of the uh, obviously the exit speed is and launch angle are the things that everybody wants to talk about. But um, stealing from Jason Ochart, I know at uh, Driveline talked in an article about like what guys can do in their like their peak exit velocity. So if, if a guy can't like we have a guy right now uh, that he is yet to hit a ball over 95. So it's not going to be very very good for him to try to hit the ball in the bleachers every swing. So uh, it's it's figuring out those guys and then that separator of What's that level where in our park, since we play majority of our, our games here at our, at our field, and, and it's similar to, to where we play our conference tournament and in Omaha, they're, they're bigger parks. So that level, that, that kind of that spot where maybe we tell a guy to drive the ball more in the air, that might be a little higher than it is at a, at a place where the ball flies. So mm-hmm. um, just kind of cross-referencing that historical information at our, at our field and using that with guys. So, uh, we'll take guys and kind of compare them to guys in, in the past. So 
we can compare like we have a kid Daniel Cabrera who is a freshman All American. We compare what he did last year to what Alex Bregman did as a freshman and his numbers, and say, okay, this is where you compare to to him. This is what you did, and I think that's uh, that's huge when it comes to trying to figure out uh, who guys are as players and being able to kind of compare them and see uh, like maybe what we can expect from them or maybe the style of player they are, maybe with the the batted ball information, maybe we can make them a little more productive. Uh, so we've used that a ton. Um, plate discipline has been a big thing for us, uh, looking at which guys swing at strikes and take balls, uh, the difference in that, because when it really comes down to it, that's the first thing we want to, we want to look at if a guy's struggling, is he swinging at good pitches? Um, sure. just because that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's a number one. Yeah. I think the last thing we start looking at is the mechanics of the swing, just cause that can be a, that can be a, a dark hole you get into if you start really digging, trying to get mechanical with the swing. Uh, so we, we try to do a lot of result based stuff. Um, try to get, uh, the guys look, trying to achieve a result more than achieve that perfect swing that really doesn't exist. Wow. Okay. Uh, Micah, you talked about strength and conditioning earlier and, and working with that strength coach, working with that, that, uh, athletic trainer as well. But from the strength and conditioning side, um, how does that position really, from what you do, work well with that strength coach? How are those conversations? How are those individual conversations? How's that ebb and flow? Oh, it's, it's great. I mean, Travis Roy, our strength and conditioning coach, is, is great. Uh, Corey Couture, he's our athletic trainer. Uh, he's fantastic as well, and he's he has uh, he also works with the golf team. So it, okay. it's actually been a pretty good uh, thing there. I mean, TPI is huge. Yes, uh, yes. It's getting real big into baseball. I'm a huge golf uh, guy myself, so it's been a pretty easy transition looking at that stuff. And I think that's where kind of the force plate and foot mapping stuff comes in. But um, just the, the way the body moves is so important. I know Russ hit on that with uh, the, the screenings. And, and that's one thing that we've gotten real big on is the first, like that first week when they're here, they're going through the screening because he's uh, our trainer. He's TPI certified. So he puts them through uh, that, that screening to see where the uh, deficiencies in their movement patterns are uh, just to see where we can kind of develop their, their stuff. Cause I mean, like we, we have a catcher that came in, uh, pretty, pretty stiff hips, real, not great mobility with his hips. And, and for me, that's the most important thing for a catcher is that flexibility of their hips, being able to block, receive, move around back there. And, uh, just getting with Corey and Travis, I mean, we, it's a, it's a noticeable difference, how much better he moves behind the plate, uh, able to kind of stick with pitches, that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it, it's those two guys have been have been incredible, and, and that's the thing where I'm I'm over there at the weight room every day talking to Travis about uh, the guys coming in effort level, but also uh, what what is he seeing with guys? Is there something that they're really struggling with from a lifting standpoint or a movement standpoint? That kind of thing, and and we're always talking about uh, the TPI type stuff. So like we put the guys through that. Uh, I know they do like the power test with the med ball. There's two different med ball throws and a vertical jump, and you can kind of see where in the kinetic chain those guys have maybe a deficiency if it's lower body, core, upper body, and then kind of develop them through there. And sure. um, and th- and that's been that's been huge. And I think it also can kind of tell us a little story of hey, maybe this guy has really good numbers in those uh, those weight room tests, but he's not hitting the ball very hard. So okay, there's definitely a missing link there when it comes to the swing. So we can dive into that and see where's that lack of uh, power coming from, or maybe a guy's really, really uh, hitting the ball hard, but his numbers aren't great in the weight room. Maybe that guy has an unbelievably efficient swing and we can study that and see where, uh, where he's doing that at. Oh man, that's, 
Outstanding. Russ, when you're looking at this, when you're thinking about this area, open that conversation as well. What's it look like for you and the strength coach, the trainer, what are the things we're really paying attention to? Yeah, a lot of similarities. Uh, we have yeah. performance meetings weekly uh, with those guys, and we go over each individual player and uh, what they're doing in, in those respective areas, whether it's health-wise or strength-wise. Um, I'll meet with Rick and, and just have a conversation about different guys and trying to compare the information that he's gathering and the information that we're gathering and, and see if there's any deficiencies along the way, like Micah said, with whether it's a movement pattern or – a, a, a strength or a mobility thing like and I, i'll show him video as well I'll say this guy can't really do this movement right here how does it look like in the weight room and then he'll mm. you know he'll, he'll share some information that that he's gathered with their mobility and, and, and maybe some hip testing or some range of motion stuff and we're like okay so it's not transferring on the field yet so how can we do more of that on the field you know, and, and bridge the two together because you only got a certain amount of time in the weight room. You only got a certain amount of time on the on the field. But if you can't move and guys can't make the movements that you want them to make at any part of the game, whether it's offensively, pitching, defensively, whatever it might be, then they're not going to be able to, um, you know, hit those numbers or, or those things that you're, you're focusing on that helps them get better. So yeah. whether it's trying to work on their swing or their delivery and things like that. So we want to compare the two, say, okay, this guy, you know, where's his strength in the weight room and where are his strengths on the field? What does he have to do in the weight room or in the training room to get those better? And then we work together collectively as a group and we have those conversations in our performance meetings, you know, he shares the information from the weight room side of things and then obviously the training room side of things. And then we try to put that all into the plan together. That's great. Okay. Now there's a piece of this, you know, we're, we talked a lot of baseball, we're talking a lot of numbers and data and, and, and certainly that there is a, a development side of this. We are in the baseball space, but I know both of you and I know both your programs and, and certainly the player development isn't complete unless we're thinking holistically, unless we're thinking about the person and there's a piece of the, the personal development whether, again, that's recovery, whether that's nutrition, whether that's just character building, whether that's, again, leading them down a better path. But there's also a piece of this, guys, that I know works into the culture of your program. This is a this is a staple. This is a, a recruiting tool as we will grow you up. 18 to 22, we're going to prepare you for life. So, uh, Russ, when you're thinking about that personal side of things, that cultural development side of things, how are you approaching this? How does this really fall, uh, again, on your desk? Yeah, absolutely. It's um – you know, it, it's a it's a very unique piece of the puzzle. We want to develop the entire person, mm -hmm. obviously not just the baseball, but the the uh, the the human itself, and and how they're developing, and and trying to you know gradually um, develop them when they first come in as a freshman, and, and then when they leave, hopefully their junior year, but sometimes you know after they graduate as a senior. So you know, we do a lot of uh, some life building exercises. You know, we do a lot of, we put them in challenging environments. We have a mental skills coach. We have a nutritionist and we, we monitor, you know, different things that they do throughout the day. You know, obviously from the academic side of things, which everybody does that, but trying to make sure that they're, they're making the right decisions off the field mm -hmm. that are going to help them on the field mm -hmm. as well. You can't neglect, you can't be so focused with, on the field stuff that you forget that you're actually working with somebody who is, who has 
who might have some problems, who might have some off-the-field issues that could be affecting their on-the-field performance, whether it's some family things or just some personal things. That, And you have to really dive into the human factor of the psychology of how each individual you know, ticks and, and how they operate and what can you do to help them off the field because if they're they're not making the right decisions off the field, then that's going to affect their on-field performance. So, you know, from the mental skills side, which obviously it goes individually and then as an entire team, but then also, you know, trying to figure out who these kids are, you know, what their goals are, what are they, what what interests them, you know, their life. We, we all love the game. I mean, mm-hmm. this, this is why we're here. We're having these conversations. But, you know, there's also other interests. And, if you're just so focused on the baseball side of things that you don't want them to lose interest in that and you want them to stay engaged. So you have to find ways to, to keep it fresh and, and obviously, you know, figure out who they are and, and how we can do that. And then bring all those different personalities into, into one, which obviously creates the culture of the club. Hmm. Micah, add to that. <laughs> Man, that's so fantastic. <laughs> I can't write fast enough. Um, Micah, take us into the, how that fits for you. Again, we're talking about the personal, the cultural end of this. How's that sit for you? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is some great stuff, and, and Russ is, is right on again. I mean, it, the, the first, like one of the things we'll do early on is uh, there's, a, there's a book I, I read a few years back called uh, The Power of Why. And I think that's, and it's, and it's so important to get these guys, we'll, we'll sit them the, the, like we would get the hitters and have them sit down and give them a piece of paper and they write down, why are they here? Like, what is their, why do they, yeah. why do they want to be successful? What drives them? They write it down so that they don't have, if there's something that maybe they think might be embarrassing to say out loud, they can put it on the paper. And then when we get our individual meetings, we can go over it with them and be like, just remember when you're struggling down the road, like this is why you're doing it. I think that's the most important thing is every, every, everybody has a different, uh, uh, upbringing. Everybody has a different path of how they got to where they're at now. Mm -hmm. And it's just reminding them that when things are going really well or things are going really bad, that they need to stay the course and remember why they're here. And I think that's one of those things that, um, that kind of drives our guys and just, and then we can get it also from a team aspect, like, why, what, what are the goals of our team? Why do we want to accomplish this goal? Why do we want to do this? And, and I think that's so important. And uh, it kind of ties into, I know I uh, read it on Twitter, stealing it, but uh, someone always said, invest in the person, not the player. So, and coach, coach Maneri is so, so good about that. Like he'll, he'll go out there when we're stretching and talk to the guys and he'll see him like if he sees him in the hall or he sees him uh, around the cage, like he'll talk to him, like, what's going on? How are you doing? Like, not baseball stuff. Like, yeah. how are you? How are you as a person? You know, and and it's just always keeping that stuff in mind when when these guys are uh, are out here. That there's there's so many other things that are going on in their lives, and to be able to uh, know all those things is just going to help you coach them a lot better. Uh, and from a culture standpoint, I know when I was here uh, as a player, that was when Coach came in, and it was kind of really setting the culture that he wanted. And and I, I remember that first fall it almost didn't seem like we were ever going to practice because guys were missing class. Guys weren't doing the right things on and off the field. So it was just like, Oh, time to go condition. So we're going to go run some because we're not ready as a team off the field to get onto the field. And I think that's where he kind of turned that program around. And now it's, now it's gotten to that point where the culture is so good that we don't have to be as 
hands-on with them from that aspect because the older guys are coaching the, the younger guys. And they like freshmen come out there and they see Zach Watson and Antoine Duplantis out here 30 minutes before them doing getting fly balls extra on their own or uh, or in the in the cages it's raining they're in the cages and they're working on bunting or or something like that and it's just like wow like I'm I'm not at that level yet I got to work harder and it's just it's those guys in that culture that I think kind of keeps it keeps it going and keeps the program as strong as it can be wow you know go back to this holistic idea and, and, and coaching the person before the player uh, Coach Keith Madison, again, coach in the SEC, ABCA Hall of Famer, is on our board of directors. Uh, we don't coach baseball. We coach baseball players. And I think bringing that to perspective in each day and how we go about affecting and impacting these guys helps us uh, walk down the better path. Now, we think about what the best advice we've been given, a question we always ask to wrap up our shows. Micah, I want you to start this one off. And best advice you've been given, period. But then also, what other advice do you have? Any coach paying attention to this, how would you help them? Yeah, so uh, I was actually the best advice I got was I was in uh, I was in my first big league spring training and Giovanni Soto uh, was with the Cubs at the time. He was the starting catcher, and uh, I was just sitting in my locker and he came over to me and we talked for a while. And then the last thing he said was he said, "When you think you're in, you're out, and when you think you're out, you're in." Hmm. And it like that just completely changed my thought process on a lot of things, and it hit me it hit it hit home really well that when when you think you've got it figured out or you think you're the guy, that's when you start to kind of pull back on your intensity and how hard you work on things and yeah. that drive you have. But when you when you always have that kind of, I guess, that underdog mentality or chip on your shoulder or you, you don't feel like you know enough or you need to learn more, it always keeps pushing you that you feel like you're on the outside. And I think when, when he told me that, that was something that really, really stuck with me. And, uh, and I think that's something that you can take into, into coaching is that, like you, you just, you never know enough. You never, you don't have it all figured out. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that, that drives, uh, drives me from day to day of what, what can I figure out today? What's something new I can learn or, or program better, that kind of thing. Outstanding. And again, Russ, take us home on this best advice you've been given. What other advice do you have? Anybody paying attention to the show? How would you help them? Yeah, I think one of the best advices that I would give, it's, it's pretty simple is, is, uh, coach the person first and then develop the player later. Yeah. Know the know the player who they are. You know, get to know them. Learn them on a, a a a personal level. As a coach, you should you should really feel honored if if you get invited to big things in their life. Um, you know that that that's one of the you know whether it's weddings or they tell you about big announcements after they leave their program, they're coming back. You know, you you know what kind of impact you've made on that individual once they've leave you know, five, 10 years down the road. And then also from a coaching standpoint, you know, just like Micah said, never be content, continue to learn. I, I guess one of the things, one of the ways that I, that I learned this was, um, you know, just being involved in the Astros organization. And then obviously after leaving the organization last year and then in reading the, the book Astro ball, which kind of dives into their process mm-hmm. is really hit home is, you know, when you talk about being content and you think you might have some ideas figured out and then you win the World Series. So you go into this and, and you know, you feel like you're in a pretty good place. You, you know, you, you're winning, you're, you're changing the culture, you're doing all this. But 
Just remember, once you start thinking you have it all figured out, just remember that you released J.D. Martinez and that ESPN reminds you every day (laughs) that you're not really as smart as you think you might be and to continue to keep going and to keep learning and gaining an edge. Stay humble, kiddo. Stay humble. Oh, my gosh, guys. This has been an awesome conversation. I I really do. I I know this can be a tough spot, especially in in, in the world of recruiting that we live in now. I know sometimes it's tough to explore, but for our coaches, and again, covering youth all the way through, covering high school and travel coaches, all of college baseball, and even the professional coaches that pay attention to this, to be able to talk through these positions and and certainly what's going on, what it looks like, educating our coaches, guys. We really appreciate the transparency and the honesty. Uh, We wish, obviously, Clemson and LSU, the Tigers, we wish all of you guys the very best of luck. And, And, again, we're so thankful to have Russ Steinhorn from Clemson University and Micah Gibbs from LSU. Thanks for jumping on the call with us, guys, and best of luck the rest of the fall. Thanks, Chief. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Sheets. It was an honor to be a part of your podcast in the ABCA. Thanks so much for dialing into our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast and connecting with these great coaches. If you're interested in more of these shows, check us out on iTunes, hit subscribe and dive right in, or head over to abca.org slash podcast and scroll through all of our episodes. A huge thanks again to the great folks over at AstroTurf for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking at doing any upgrades at your facility, head over to AstroTurf.com. That's AstroTurf.com and see why they've been ahead of the curve for almost 50 years. Now here at the American Baseball Coaches Association, we're here to serve coaches around the world. So let us know how we can help. Head over to our website, abca.org for more information. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at ABCA1945. You can find us on Facebook as well. And feel free to reach out to me directly at any time on Twitter at CoachSheets3 or by email Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at ABCA.org. We'd love to hear from our loyal members and continue to find ways to keep growing the game together. As always, coaches, thank you for listening in and staying dialed into our podcast. Until next week, we ask you keep growing, you keep developing, you keep challenging yourself inside this game. We wish you and your club the very best, and thank you for what you're doing for the game of baseball. Baseball.